As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. is up guys this is jason linear with jason linear unfiltered i'm very excited to uh <laughs> to do this podcast i'm very excited to be talking to you guys again it's been a good minute since i've last spoken with you and uh i have some uh, explaining to do for that i apologize for being tardy on the podcast it's just been crazy the last couple of months well it has it's been about four or five weeks since i've done a podcast so shame on me and thanks for sticking around but uh, we're gonna have a fun time here and i'm very excited to have you this is uh episode 25 of jason linear unfiltered super grateful to be here with you guys today um today we have quite a bit to talk about to be honest with you um i shot again with miss emily the amazing the incredible miss emily and so i I have to fill you guys in on that because that's just, you know, that's pretty newsworthy in Jason Lanier Fedora land. So uh, I'm going to fill you in with that, fill you in on that, I should say. And uh, something that we were talking about, which is really funny that I'm going <laughs> to talk about is creating art uh, where sometimes other people commit crimes. So... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that phrase, um, so I have to explain that a little bit, but I do tend to like to create art where others commit crimes, and um, I don't know. It's just uh, what I'm kind of drawn to. I don't necessarily think I want to be uh, shooting in places that are, are, are <laughs> full of criminals, but those places usually look really cool, so... Um, I'm going to talk about that guys. So, uh, just thanks. Thanks again for sticking around. Um, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a journey and I'm glad to be here with you guys. So I'm going to fill you in on what, I, what I've been doing the last uh, couple of weeks. And, uh, then I'm going to talk about Miss Emily and then we're going to, um, talk about some of the crazy shoots that we did. And then, uh, and then we're going to just talk about beautiful mysteries and all that other kind of stuff. So at any rate, welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, one thing that's really cool that I should mention is I've started been I started been there you go Jason good job with the English language um, I have been scheduling workshops again so slowly but surely we're getting back to some semblance of norm normalcy here in the world um, so if you guys are interested in the workshops because I do get questioned about this quite a bit if you want to check out the workshops go to jasonlinear.com/register I have workshops. Uh, that are already scheduled. We have PhotoCon Kentucky, which is its own boutique convention just for you guys and me. It's going to be awesome. 
uh, August 28th and 29th out in uh, Frankfurt, Kentucky, which is nestled uh, like a baby right in between Frank uh, Louisville and Lexington. So you can fly into Lexington or Louisville and you can spend two days with me for what would normally cost you a lot of money. And it's not going to cost you much at all because it's a convention. So we're going to limit it to a certain amount of people. And we already have a beautiful place called the Foundry that we're going to be shooting it at. I just got back from Kentucky after having done some promo work for this event. Uh, big thanks to my man Jim out there for helping me with that. And uh, we're going to be doing a lot of other fun stuff. I'm going to be doing Vegas for WPPI in mid-August. And then we're moving on to um, Seattle, Boston, and New York in September. And I'm pegging um, uh, October COVID contingent. I'm uh, pegging um, that to be a lot of the makeup workshops that we were supposed to do. Uh, In 2020, we're going to be doing uh, like Venice, Italy, Paris, France, London, those kinds of places. Uh, I still have to get Australia back on the map as soon as they open their country, their beautiful island back up to people like me. And uh, some exciting news is if you guys may or may not know, I was supposed to do Egypt in uh, 2020, December 2020. I was supposed to do Egypt and we had so much of it lined up and then Freaking COVID just kept lingering. So uh, I have re-engaged with the individuals that are helping me form formulated trip over there. We're going to go to Cairo, Luxor, Aswan. Um, we're talking, get <laughs> it's going to be awesome, dude. Like getting, um, but we're working with the tourism agency of Egypt because I'm not going to like go over there and like try to sneak into the freaking Sphinx or the, the, the Giza pyramids. I ain't doing it. So uh, long story short, um, it's going to be awesome. And I was even talking with the guys last night about this. There's a guy named, over there named Maggot, and he's helping me out with this. And he has his own travel agency and business. And, and it's it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about it. And uh, I was even talking to him about going to the city of Petra in Jordan. And if you guys don't know what that is, take a little little looky-poo up on uh, Google and check that mother freaker out. This is freaking Raiders of the Lost Ark beautiful stuff. And I am beyond excited, if you can't tell, to do it. So we're lining up models out there. We're lining up uh, some little seminars and stuff. And and it's so funny. I was talking to Maggot about it. And he's like, okay, well, what kind of accommodations do you want? And I said, you know what? I don't need fancy Remember, Indiana Jones, man, I just want the adventure. I don't even care as long as it's safe. And, you know, that's kind of a interesting, that's kind of relative with me. But as long as it's safe, let's do it, baby. Let's roll. So I, <laughs> if you can't tell, I'm excited. Egypt has been on my to-do list, top three to-do list forever. And uh, I'm going to be knocking some of this stuff off. I'm going to be knocking it off. I, I'm really trying to get something booked for Chernobyl. Um I'm really excited to do this stuff. And so uh, if you guys are interested, you can join me on some of these adventures and it would be awesome. So I'm even looking at Kenya. So lots of fun stuff up on the menu for yours truly. So stay on the lookout, my friends. Um, People ask me all the time. I released a video uh, about my weight loss journey. So uh, things are really moving for me, no pun intended. Uh, today, as we speak, is day 205 in a row of me doing 10,000 or more steps. And it's changing my freaking Vida Loca. It's, I love it. I love what I'm doing. Um, if you guys are up to date on my IGTV and on YouTube, um, 
I released a video about three weeks ago that marked the six-month point of me doing 10,000 or more steps per day, every day, consecutively, without freaking stopping. And when I started this journey, guys, um, this was back in late September of 2020. So I'm going on, what are we at now? I'm, well, geez, wow, that's 10 months almost. It'll be 10 months at the end of this month that I've been working at this. So about nine and a half months I've been working on this. And when I started that in late September, I was at 264. That's where I was at. And today as we speak, it's day 205, but I can't make this up. I'm at 205 today. So I've dropped about 60 pounds as of today, which is my lowest mark. I am currently at my lowest mark in about four to five years, which is really, really cool. Uh, My all-time highest weight ever was 292 when I was really tipping the scales and I had, you know, every time I was driving on the highway, I'd have to pull over. Okay. I'll stop making jokes. (laughs) I was going to say I had to go on the truck scales, but my (laughs) biggest memory of all of that was, um, I was in Alaska and this is about eight, nine years ago. And my mom took a picture of me that to this day is haunting because I look like the stay, stay puff, uh, marshmallow man, for those who uh, remember Ghostbusters. And um, I look awful, just to be honest. And so I, I deal with some of my my insecurities with weight loss by having a, uh, a little bit of levity. Uh, and I hope you guys can appreciate that. I'm certainly not making fun of overweight people. It's been the struggle of my life. My hip plus my ankles plus my weight equals Jason's struggles. Take away those things, baby. I got it. I got, I got it in spades. Got it, got it, got it. Got life, got everything. So anyway, I was 292 and I was down in Homer, Alaska. And I went to a a, a bar down in uh, – uh, why did Jason go to a bar, Mr. Diet Coke? Um, well, I was curious. It sounded like a cool uh, 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 picture spot. So Homer, Alaska doesn't have a lot going on. And that's where they do a lot of the deadliest catch and that kind of stuff. So I was, I was down in Homer. And I walked into a bar by myself and I go in there and it's really cool because it's one of those kind of bars where they put the dollar bills up all over the place. They have another one out in the Salton Sea that's kind of like it. But this place is the Salty Dog Saloon. Famous place. There's all sorts of stuff made up about it. Not made up, but you know, written up about it and hoodies and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I, I go in there because I am supposed to uh, go on a bear excursion. I'm supposed to go shoot the bears for the first time out in Katmai, Alaska. And in order to do so, you have to go way in. Well, they don't have a lot of places in Homer, Alaska to to run these tours. And so they're running it kind of out of this little salty dog saloon, which is hilarious. So I go in to pay the fee and it's like $600 to go on this uh, bear excursion. And again, with inflation, now that would be 6,000 thanks to everything going on in, in the world right now, but I'll leave that alone. And so I'm in there and now I know that, that my big boy, my big boy butt is <laughs> 292, okay, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And I am going in there. Now, mind you, I have snow boots on, poncho, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know at the time that you could only be 300 pounds to go on one of these Cessnas, these seaplanes that land on the ocean and take you into bear country, grizzly bear country. And so... I can't tell you the feeling it felt like when I walk into that place and I'm filling out the forms and it says right on there in big, bold letters, hey, if you're over 300 pounds, you can't do this. That's the max weight capacity we can handle in the plane per passenger. 
So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a Santa Maria de Guadalupe moment. I mean, I'm really, I, I, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. So <laughs> guys, if you were there with me, you would laugh at it with me too. I go and stand on the scale and I'm looking down as this thing, it seems like it's turning. You know, it's one of those old school scales that has the, you know, the medical scales. It's not like a digital one. So it seems like it just won't stop turning. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Jason, you should have laid off X, Y, or Z, whatever you ate last night. And I'm watching this thing go up and up and up and it, it goes to 298. <laughs> Okay, the lady looked at me and she goes, wow. <laughs> she goes, you barely made it. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're right. I did barely make it. And I'm embarrassed and I have like sweat coming off of me. And she's like, <laughs> she said something to the effect of, hey, don't eat too much before tomorrow when we go on the excursion. And I said, are you kidding? I'm not eating, eating anything. So anyway, that was my big wake-up moment. If, if, if this is going to prohibit me from being able to do these adventures that I want to do, not to mention the physical well-being, not to mention the effect it has on my ankles and blah, blah, blah. If this is going to be me, and if I want to live this Indiana Jones kind of life, got to lose weight. So that's what I'm that's what I'm still working on. So when I hit 192, my fine feathered friends, when I hit it 192, which is let me do the math. That's five, that's eight, that's 13 pounds from now. I'm gonna have a big mother freaking celebration because that's a hundred pounds that I will have lost in totality uh from my highest point. And so I'm super excited about that. I'm trying to get down to about 185. 185. So I'm thinking about 20 pounds for my current weight. And uh, just to keep myself honest with you guys, I'm going to post a picture on my Instagram. It's a progress picture. You're going to look at me. I'm wearing a nice blue shirt. So you'll know I'm not making stuff up. I'm wearing a blue shirt today. And I, it's, it's just a t-shirt. And you're, I'm gonna, just a little selfie I did in the bathroom. It's totally a guy's bathroom, you can tell, because there's nothing else in there except a picture that I took in the Virgin Islands a number of years ago. So at any rate, go check it out. And I only share this stuff because I understand what it's like to struggle with uh, obesity and being overweight and physical disabilities and being legally handicapped. And I hope that my journey and my uh, stubbornness to refuse to quit, uh, I hope that that inspires other people out there. And that's why I share. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, guys. If you're, if you're like me, when you listen to podcasts, all you have to do is hit that arrow button that has a 30 second thing. So just go ahead and skip through the commercials, but <laughs> I have to do these. But if you're like me, you're going to skip them anyway. So we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to talk about all this craziness with me shooting Miss Emily. Stay tuned. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, my friends, welcome back. I'm very, very excited to uh, to talk about uh, just everything that's gone on with with shooting. Um, for the for the very few, I think ve- the vast majority of people in Fedorland uh, obviously know who Miss Emily is. She was my assistant and muse for two years, and uh, honestly, I got to say, together we created some of the most beautiful work I've ever done. Well, what some of you guys may not know out there is Emily is also well we all know she's intelligent but you may not know that she's a she has a master's degree from a very good school and she's a she's a well-educated speech pathologist so Miss Emily enjoys being both a creator and also being a speech pathologist so pretty much after two years of craziness with me she went back to doing speech pathology again and we both kind of had an agreement that when COVID-19 when some of the madness kind of subsided a bit we would create again and that's what we've done it's been really awesome i mean between my travel schedule and her going back to speech finding that opportunity to create again isn't always easy but man when we find it it's incredible and so she had a two-week break recently and uh she she and i you know reached out to each other and i happened to have a break where i wasn't traveling so it worked out fantastic and over the last two weeks, we've really created some really epic stuff. Uh, we've been able to get together uh, both weekends and shoot. Um, and we've done about four or five shoots in that time together. And that has been absolutely incredible, I just got to say. Uh, if you guys are listening to this and if you haven't had a chance to check it out, we've already released a video on this. Um, we did the ultimate guide to shooting flash with Rotolite. And even if you're not a shooting flash with Rotolite kind of a person... You should watch the video. It's really fun, and and you can see just how much fun we have creating together. And so you can check that out on either IGTV or on YouTube. And if you check out the comments on YouTube, especially, uh, y'all are super excited that that me and Emmy uh, were able to create together again, which is really cool. So, so what do we do on these five shoots? What do we do? So um, that's what we're going to talk about. First off. We did awesome stuff, but that's not a shocker. <laughs> we met up in uh, San Onofre and went down uh, the beach there. San Onofre is next to, now this is going to sound funny, it's next to San Clemente, which is in Orange County. It's it's in between LA, Orange County is in between LA County and San Diego County. So if you go up the five freeway for those folks who are familiar with Southern California, if you go up the five freeway past Oceanside, north of Oceanside, 
next to Camp Pendleton, which is germane to this conversation, you will find San, San Onofre. And it's a beautiful beach. They have beautiful cliffs there. And so we met up there and walked down the cliffs to this beach area. And uh, this this beach area, we walked down, I don't know, I'm going to guess, half mile maybe, maybe half mile, um, down to this area where somebody had built like I was joking around thinking, you know, oh, this is like a naked and afraid. Somebody had made some little uh, hut at in uh, in this on this beach and uh, left it there. But it really looks like that, guys, like Survivor Man, Survivor Woman, Survivor whatever. Uh, somebody built a shack out of driftwood and other stuff. But it's like a little hut, like, you know, like a little cave thing. But it's right there on the ocean or on the beach, I should say, not on the ocean. That really wouldn't work. So... Um, we found it, we started shooting and dude, I got to tell you, man, it was like five minutes in, two minutes in, maybe 30 seconds. in. it was like, Oh, cool. Well, we're back. We're back to shooting really cool stuff again, really cool stuff again. And that I got to be honest. I got to be honest with you. It was, it was amazing. And the best way to describe it is like a band, uh, a, it's like be it's like having a really successful band that had a great run. And then every now and and again, we get together and play some jams. That's awesome. It really is. And um, I got to say, when we play our music, the notes are fluid. They're easy to find and the melodies are harmonic. It's honestly a blast. And so we did We did so many beautiful sets down there. Um, she had a number of different outfits. Um, we shot, there was this large log that was, it was really freaking perfect, dude. There was this large log in front of this hut thing. And uh, I've already posted one shot of this. I'll post some more. Um, uh, but we got some just, we created some incredible work. And so what is one of the memorable memories of there is, <laughs> for those of you guys who have been following along on my adventures, I've been running around with this freaking drone everywhere. And so Emily, Emmy and I never really did a lot of drone work together. Um, I don't. I don't remember whether or not we actually did, but regardless, it's not something that if we did, it was very rare. Um, but so I, I popped this drone up in the air and I'm, I'm, I'm telling him, I'm like, you know, this is probably a restricted zone because we're next to Camp Pendleton. And as soon as I popped that thing in the air, <laughs> I'm trying to get footage of it flying back and forth to, uh, to film what we're doing. And sure enough, the thing goes, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> it has this thing talking about us being in a restricted zone and it's going to force a landing. So I'm trying to record all this footage that I can before it forces a landing. So anyways, that was a great, a great time down at their survivor man, survivor woman shack. It was awesome. Uh, another memorable moment down there is there were sheepskin. It was like, it was like being on the, the hills of Ireland, Ireland or whatever. I don't know where that accent came from, but it was like on the hills of Ireland. What am I, a leprechaun? <laughs> Pretty funny stuff. But they are these beautiful cliffs. And if you have been to Ireland, there's a, there is there are some beautiful cliffs called the Cliffs of Moher. And the reason I mention any of that is because there were, the lifeguards were going by and it looked like they were picking up like dead sheepskin. It was really, really funny. Em and I were joking around about that. So it was, it was good time. Really, really good time. The following day, 
we we go and we shoot and we're going and we're down in an area of southern California. Now we've gone from Orange County, which is mid Southern California, if that makes sense. Southern California pretty much encompasses everything from L.A. to San Diego for those who are not in the know with California. <clears throat> Orange County's right in the smack dab middle of that. San Diego's at the bottom. L.A.'s at the top. So now we've gone past San Diego and we've gone east towards the border, south, southeast, really. And so now we're in an area called Jacumba, Hakumba, if you are speaking Espanol. And we've gone down to Hakumba, Jacumba, and uh, we're rolling around. It's an area that she and I are both familiar with. We've actually done a video uh, a number of years ago <clears throat> down in Jacumba, and we shot at this place. This video is up on YouTube as well, but this is a long time ago. But um, we shot in this area called Jacumba, and we did a video at this old – it's like a little commune, okay? It's, it, has a, it has a couple houses. It has a silo. It has a barn. And we went – and we hung out shooting there for, oh, my gosh, I don't know, five, six hours. This is – this is a couple years ago. And then recently when I did my border documentary, I went back there to see if there was anything related to border activity occurring in these abandoned houses or this abandoned commune. And that's important to the conversation or to the story that I'm telling because of the fact that um, <clears throat> this is only this, this, this commune, whatever you want to call it, Jim Jones, whatever it is. Um, it was only, it is, I should say, only, it's got to be less than a mile from the actual border wall. So you can easily see the border wall from this area. And so I've been down there with Emmy a couple years ago, and I went down there by myself for the border documentary just a couple months ago. No problems, nothing. Well, you put me and Emmy together and it equals cops, okay? So it's really funny because we we, we kind of drove into Jacumba. <laughs> we're kind of looking around at some abandoned buildings and stuff. And we're like, okay, this could be cool. This could be cool. And we're talking about this red little building that's out there that could be really fun to shoot. And then we drive past this and Emmy says to me, <laughs> classic, she says, Jason, do not get me arrested. <laughs> I'm like, okay, no problem. No problem. And so <laughs> you guys can kind of see I'm foreshadowing a little bit. And so we're driving around, driving around, driving around, and and we pull into this structure, this commune again. And it's and now I'll be honest with you, it's an open road. We're not like going over fences, we're not going anything. It's just a freaking commune on a dirt road. Well, we pull in and no sooner than I'd pulled in, and I had been about oh good good grief, uh 10 seconds, 15 seconds on the road. And, uh, whoop, 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 whoop. and dude, we, we had a border patrol, this big Husky dude pulling up behind us in a border patrol vehicle. Then we have freaking Starsky and Hutch coming through Dukes of Hazard style in an old beat up, uh, black Ford Explorer or something like that. But it looked like something that they confiscated from a drug Lord because it looks like something that you would use for running drugs and it's piling over. They ripped the hood, the, not the hood, the front bumper off of it. And Amy's like, I bet they ripped that thing off so they can just drive over anything they want. And I said, I think you're right. And so they pull us off. We have three border patrol show up and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, guys, with everything going on, you're pulling us over. Come on now. And so that led to a very, uh, overly drawn out uh, conversation 
But because we are not breaking any laws and because of the fact that, you know, Border Patrol is really their their job and jurisdiction is to actually, I don't know, patrol the border, um, then we didn't have any problems. <laughs> so I just remember I got out of the car and I was talking by my own volition. I didn't get out like it wasn't arresting me or anything like that. I got out of the car and I'm talking to the guy because he wanted me to get IDs or something. So I got out to get it. And so, cause ID was in a backpack. And so got out and got some IDs and gave it to him. And, um, it, it just talked to him. And, and it's funny guys, when you get in these situations, just talk to people, just talk. And you're going to see that that's a common thread with everything that, um, that we did. And that that I do on all these travels that I go on. So at any rate, they wished us well. No citations, nothing. We were just fine. But I remember standing out there when this was happening. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Emily just said this to me. <laughs> She's going to murder me. <laughs> now, I will say, when I was talking to Em, she said, I said, well, we could go back there. She's like, ah, let's, it, it'll be fine. Let's go. So, um you get us two troublemakers together. You never know what will happen. If you only knew some of the other stories that I have never told you guys of the stuff that we've done, that's really fun. Um, but I'll save that for another day. But at any rate, really great time. So that that's important because after that happened, we had planned on shooting down there in Jukumba. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, Jukumba is so close to the border. Now, now we risk having the problem of, um, I don't know the border patrol harassing us the whole time and we didn't want to deal with that so i was like you know, you know what the salton sea is only two hours away why don't we just go to salton sea she's like yeah let's do it because we didn't want to mess with it so obviously emily and i have done epic stuff historic stuff out at the salton sea so we went out there it's 115 degrees who shoots in 115 degree heat and makes amazing stuff well we do and so we went out there and to be honest with you, there's so many places that we've shot out there. I didn't want to just rehash it. I just didn't want to redo it. And so um, we pulled up into this area that is um, – there's a border patrol check station. Um, as you come up from Nyland, uh, there's a border patrol check station there. And just as you pass that border patrol check station, there is a there is a boat, land, uh, uh, boat ramp. But you would never know it's a boat ramp. This is from 40 years ago. It was a boat ramp, okay? And so you take this road. And I think it's called the Nyland Boat Ramp, if I'm not mistaken, because that's near Nyland. And you go down this ramp, and it's about a mile or two down. And there's these old structures. A number of years ago, we did a workshop down there, which was really fun. Uh, that's a, We did a, like a blue shoot with them, which was really cool. But we go down, and... Obviously, leave the car running. Emily's getting ready and putting on makeup and doing just doing her best. What, what the thing that she does, which is looks amazing and does amazing work. And I'm running around like a crazy man in 115 degree heat. She probably has to think I'm hallucinating because I'm I'm running around doing my my jazzy jazz fingers with my rings. Um, that's how I think. That's how I create. For those who have been with me when you've seen me do it, and I'm running around. And there's this telephone pole and there's this beautiful tel telephone pole sitting there and I'm running around finding props. And this is what I love to do. I love to find things and create and create something out of nothing. To me, that's so empowering. It's so easy to buy a bunch of stuff, but it's much more difficult and it's much more rewarding in my humble opinion to create something out of nothing and to create something that is truly organic and germane to that given environment.
to me, that's, that's beautiful. And I love that. And so there's a telephone pole. Em's wearing this, this really pretty yellow dress that she got. I, I think she got a thrifting. I mean, almost everything she gets is thrifting. And so, um, and she put together this really pretty, like a belt and just, oh, everything she does is just awesome. You guys know that. And so I, um, she, she stood on top of this telephone pole and then there was these cables that came out and, um, she would hold onto the cables. I fired the flash. Everything was overheating, by the way. The cameras were overheating. The we We're using a monolight. The monolight, the 8600, was overheating. What a shocker. In fact, it was so hot out there that we had to take breaks, not just for us so we didn't burn alive out there, but also so the gear would work. The gear would literally shut off. It was problematic. So... Uh, we kept going in, going out, going in, going out of the car. Kept, just kept the car running the whole time. And I was like, are you sure you got enough gas? I don't want to run out of gas out here. And I'm like, no, we're good. We're good. So we um, we did a really cool shoot there. And that was really rewarding. And it was matching tones. So when you guys are out there shooting, try to match tones with location, with wardrobe, with props. And try to bring it all together for some really beautiful work. Now, next to this telephone pole was a chain link fence. Now, there was one section of the chain link fence that was still standing up. It was still erect. But then there was a vast, the vast majority of the chain link fence was, had fallen down. Years and years and years of disrepair, decay, abandonment, all of the above. And so, um, I'm sitting there getting my fitness fedora program going on and I'm lifting up this chain link fence that had, um, that had a barbed wire on the top. And so I'm scuffing up my hands a little bit, not the end of the world, but we, Emily put on this blue dress and, and we got a, we have a glue gun where she has a glue gun. She has a glue gun where she's putting on, we have, I have a power inverter in the car. She's got the glue gun hooked into the power inverter. And then she's gluing stuff onto the hat. And to her credit, Every time I shoot, one thing that you guys should know is every time I shoot, she's very cognizant of where the light is and which way she's going to be turning to the light. It's one of the things I really appreciate appreciate uh, shooting her is her um, consciousness of the product that we're creating, the, 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 the output that we're creating, and how her part of it really plays into my part of it. And so as an example, uh, she's very um, mindful of where to put the flowers in the hat. She wore a hat for this one with the blue dress, and it was a great hat. I already posted a picture of this on Instagram. That got a ton of likes. That got like 5,000 likes. That was awesome. And um, we put that up, and I just love how it came out. Came out really, really beautiful. But she, it, it's amazing because what I want you to understand is, for me, you know, five thousand likes is a great result from posting an image. And this is simply a model. Now, Emily's not simply a model. You guys get my point. But this is this is a model in the desert in front of a chain link fence. No fancy setup. No fancy background. I mean, the background's pretty. It's the desert. But the point is, we created some art. And it was out of nothing, just by pulling up a fence off the dirt. And it's about being willing to deal with the elements and deal with the heat and to do things that other people won't do. 
And that to me is so important with the act of creation. If you want it, you have to do something many times that many people are unwilling to do. And we created some beautiful work out there. So that was awesome. I was really, really excited about that shoot. We uh, pulled off two different looks without really having to move the car at all. And it was great. Absolutely great. Uh, The next day we went out to uh, the other side of the Salton Sea because, again, we wanted to steer clear of uh, any more Jacumba Border Patrol guys. And uh, we went to the Salton Beach, which is on the other side of the Salton Sea. And it's an area that Emily and I um, haven't ever shot at. So that was really fun. And we found an abandoned building that was full of um, uh, graffiti. What a shocker. But it was full of tires. And the really cool thing about this place was the tires have been painted like the ridges in between the tires. Now we're talking anywhere from automotive tires to huge tractor tires. And so it's really a beautiful backdrop. And this is going to sound gross, just a a fair warning here, but this, this factory thing had bird stuff on it. Obviously there's birds, you know, in any abandoned place, they're seeking shelter, salt and sea, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, but as crazy as it sounds and as gross as you guys may go, ew, when I say this, it added like a, t- <laughs> like a texture to the environment. And the outfit, Emily wore like a, a earthy tones, like a green and, and beige uh, or brown um, skirt in the top and um, really looks amazing. And she wore this really pretty um, a beige hat. And she actually repurposed that from something else that we had done. And again, another credit to her for finding ways to make something work more than once is another way to not only create, but also to maximize and get the most out of your supplies. So if you guys want to see that, even if you don't shoot Rotolite, again, that's a really fun video uh, and playing with the drone in there. I did crash the drone. (laughs) So I did crash the drone in there. And so there's a little bit of that, that, that went on. Um, But got some really fun footage people have really responded positively to the video so if you haven't had a chance go check it out the comments on there it's clear how much you guys uh, like cnm in the video again and uh it was super fun to do so that was the first set then i went to kentucky i had to do some like i said the promo work for photocon kentucky and when i came back she and i connected again for um for another shoot and so this time We wanted to do something different, and so we went out the same direction. We took off from San Diego and went out east towards El Centro, okay? And El Centro, if you guys don't know where that is, of course, everybody has Google these days. By the time I say all of this, you you could Google it if you really are that, if you really have to know. But we, uh, El Centro is in between Yuma. It's about the halfway point in between Yuma and um, San Diego. And so maybe even more now that I think about it, because I think seeing signs, it's only like 60 miles from Yuma. So never mind. It's almost to Arizona. It's a ways. So we went out there. And the reason I was going out there is I I Googled some stuff and I'd found that there was an old film set for the movie American Sniper. And so Clint Eastwood had filmed a movie out there. And I'm like, well, geez, if they can make that thing, that place look like Iraq, this could be pretty cool. Well, so Em and I drove out there. And, um, this was, this was nuts guys. Now I'm about to tell you some some funny stories from this El Centro shoot, but, um, we get out there again, it's blazing hot again. 
Um, now, I just want to say one thing. I never take people, especially uh, M, I don't take them into places I know would present any danger to them. I don't. So if I think there's any sort of a danger, I try to do everything that I can to make sure that they're safe while I go do the stupid stuff. And in fact, when I do any of this stuff, I tell M, hey, you can stay in the car. In fact, I prefer you stay in the car. You lock the doors. If something happens, just leave. And it was so cute. M's like, you want me to just leave you? And I said, I'll be all right. You can, you can come back in like 30, 40 minutes. Give me a, a call on my cell. Just whatever. And I'll make it. Don't worry. I'll, I'm like a cockroach in that regard. Like I can just like survive a nuclear blast. So whatever goes down, you take off. So I say all of that because we're out there. And I leave him in the car and I'm just walking around and I'm not leaving her in some crazy area, guys. It's just she's out in in front of this milk factory and I'm walking around to kind of some of the back back of the house kind of places where there could be ne'er-do-wells and so I walk back there and there's this guy back there named John and the minute I walk on you know I have my typical smile going on on my face this John guy says hey what are you doing here (laughs) and I said well I'm I'm looking around what do you drive what do you mean what do I drive what kind of car do you drive? A truck? What kind of truck? A silver truck? What do you want to know what kind of truck I drive? Then he's like, what kind of make and model is it? And I said, well, how about we do this? Why don't you come out and walk with me and see the truck that I'm driving if it's that important to you? So he goes, well, who are you? What are you doing here? And I said, I and I'm like, well, who are you, man? I mean, this guy's not wearing a uniform or anything. He just... He was a nice guy, so I'm not going to make jokes. But we're, I just said, come on out with me, brother. And so we walk out, and then there, then he sees my truck, and he goes, oh, okay, okay, I feel better now. I, I'm glad you feel better. What was that all about? And he, and he goes, oh, we just had a truck driving around causing us troubles. And I said, okay, well, I'm a photographer, and I just came here to see if I could take some pictures. That's why I'm here. Oh, you're a photographer? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. When you tell somebody you're a photographer, you're either going to get a very – uh, negative response because they're like, oh, you guys are the ones that are always in here trying to take pictures and always creating problems for us. Or you're going to get people who are very interested in the in photography. People tend to really like photography. And photographers in and of themselves, it's an interesting vocation. It's an interesting profession. And so um, he and I made friends. Even though he gave me the third degree over my make and model of my vehicle, he uh, – he and I became friends. And so he said, Hey, I'm sure it'd be fine, but I need you to go over and ask the guy who runs the tow yard. Um, (laughs) I need you to ask the guy who runs the tow yard if you're able to shoot here. And I said, okay, well, um, what's his name? Oh, his name's Steve. Okay. Where is it down there? And I said, that building, he goes, yeah, it's called camel towing. (laughs) I said, are you serious? And he even laughed. He goes, yeah, I'm serious. I said, somebody actually named their 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 tow truck business Camel Towing? <laughs> Dude, this place has hills have eyes all over it. And I'm looking around and I'm like, I can't believe this. So I, I popped my head in the car. I said, hey, I'm going to go talk to the guys at Camel Towing. And she goes, what? <laughs> I said, yep, yep. I didn't make up the name. I'm just repeating what I see. And so I went down to this place, Camel Towing, and I start talking and I find 
First, I'm looking. For, they tell me to look for Steve. Steve's not there. Then they tell me to try to find Mondo, and I'm like, Mondo? What is this? A surfer in uh, in uh, Hawaii or something? And then, um, as I'm talking to one guy, he's like, Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You can shoot. Really? Yeah, go ahead. You can shoot in the buildings because apparently John is in security for all these buildings. Now, this is not technically like really hardcore security. Like, I don't even know if this is official security. I don't know if this is squatter security. I don't know what's going on, but you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So I sat there and said, okay. And so then as soon as I said that, then the Steve guy shows up, who's the boss of camel towing. He comes out, he starts talking to me and I'm trying to get permission to shoot in these buildings. He says, well, you can't shoot in the buildings that has these planks out there. That later on, Emily and I saw there's a junkyard dog that's on top of these planks that runs around on the roof and barks at people. And then Emily was making friends with the dog. That's another story for another time. But I talked to Steve at Camel Towing. <laughs> I can't. And he lets me. He says, yeah, go ahead. You can shoot at the recycled building. And I said, well, what about the milk factory where Clint Eastwood uh, filmed? And he goes, no, no, no. We're not in charge of that building. I said, well, that's where John was. He goes, well, John kind of has his own thing. I'm like, okay. So then I go back and i told john i said hey just so you know steve said we could shoot at the recycle building he goes okay and i said hey what's the deal with the milk factory and he goes oh yeah this is i wouldn't go in there and i said well have you been in there john and he goes no i said well why haven't you been in there you're literally next door to it and he says well i haven't been in there because um there's two guys two brothers okay well what's the deal well I'm, I've heard rumors that they're dismembering bodies in there. What? <laughs> really? They're dismembering bodies? Do you ever see people like go in there? Do you ever see like like victims get dragged in there? Are they dragging him in the middle of the night? Are they vampires? What's going on? He says, no, I just, I've just heard. And then there was a smell. There was a nasty smell coming from an abandoned building? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I've never heard of that one before. Sarcasm, if you didn't catch that. But, um, so you think that they're dismembering bodies. Well, why don't you guys call the cops? Oh, well, I don't know. Okay. Well, that, that's good to know. I said, so now, now you've piqued my curiosity. That's a problem for me, John. Now I have to go find out. He goes, no, 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 don't go find out. I said, John, I'm pretty sure they're not dismembering bodies in there. There'd be blood. There'd be screams. There'd be victims. There'd be cops. There'd be John Wayne Gacy. There'd be Ted Bundy. There'd be a lot of stuff. He's like, you're. I'm just telling you. I'm like, all right. He goes, one of the brothers is named Maurice. I said, okay. Well, anyways, I again left Em in the car and I said, I'm going to go try to find a chair because we wanted a chair to shoot in this abandoned recycle factory, which was really cool. And so I, there was no other place. We looked for chairs. We looked for stuff. And I said, I'm going to go into the milk factory and look for a chair or a bucket or a basket or something for you to sit on. And so um, I walk into this milk factory. I'm looking around to my utter and disbelief. Again, cue sarcasm. There's no dismembered bodies there. There's nothing. So at any rate, um, it's just it's just an abandoned building. So with, you know, garbage and stuff in there. But again, no uh, murder, no uh, serial murder activities occurring. So I walk back out. I'm sitting in the car still getting ready. And the funny thing was, as I'm walking out, um, I hear, <laughs> what is going on? Who's whistling at me? I know I've lost a lot of weight, but I don't think somebody's whistling at me. Well, it is El Centro. Never mind. Maybe somebody was whistling at me. And I said, 
who who is this? And then I look down, and every time I've been walking by, apparently this Maurice guy, I'm and I'm being dead serious here. This Maurice guy is sitting in some shade under like an old. It, it, if memory serves correct, it was like an old uh, tractor trailer thing that was just out there abandoned in the desert. But he's like slumped in trash. <laughs> and then he's looking at me and I look at him. I said, are you Maurice? <laughs> he says, yes. And I said, well, it's nice to meet you, Maurice. I said, I'm just looking for some stuff. So uh, if you need anything, let me know. Okay, (laughs) so I went and found some other just trash and stuff that I picked up, kind of like the same I'm talking about, finding stuff and building your sets, building your props, all that kind of stuff. Put it in the back of the truck, and Emily and I drove just about two blocks away to this recycle factory. We get in this recycle factory, and, um, and it's this partially burned out building the the wooden parts of the building had been primarily burned out but all of the structure the bones of the building the concrete the foundation all of that the walls everything else the roof everything is fine so we explore the place a little bit we go up to this there's this you go around the back of the building inside and there you go up this ladder and there's this loft looking thing where some homeless person has a bed and or some squatter and apparently they call that the pigeon's nest or the pigeon's roof or something. And so um, we go up, we check it out. We're like, cool, we find the spots that we want to shoot. And we start to get set up. Um, now, in this place was um, a really cool staircase. Now, to kind of help explain what the staircase looks like, there's this big, beautiful, green, blue kind of till wall. And... Um, it reminds me of a factory that you would envision from the 1980s. So if you think of a movie from the 80s, um, there's a staircase that goes up the side of this wall that would have led to like a manager's office or something. But at this point in time, it's just this staircase that goes up and uh, there's a door that says no smoking on it and it goes into some sort of an office. Now, we didn't even go in there. We didn't need to because we saw the staircase and, and it was beautiful. And the wall was so pretty. It was so texture and beautiful and everything else and so um beneath the stairwell you know where you would see the 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 wood or whatever the it it had a cabinet that opened up a large cabinet so the vast majority of the bottom where the top was the landing area for the stairs was um this cabinet that opened up which was really perfect because it helped frame the shot so we opened that up i then found a table like an old broken down table um a small table and it fit perfectly in between the opening of the cabinet underneath that staircase. Em and I created some absolutely insane work there. Absolutely insane work. I'm so proud of her. She did such a fantastic job. And what I did is I, I lit in a way that I've, I, you know, you know me, guys. I kind of do the MacGyver stuff. I've lit in some ways before that are very interesting. This was pretty fascinating. I, uh, I took uh, the light up there and I just had... Um, uh, light stand and I didn't have what a shocker didn't have sandbags didn't have all that jazz and uh, I leaned the light stand against the staircase and turned the tilt of the light down right on M with a 48 inch octobox and it spotlit her like movie lighting it was freaking gorgeous 
and then I what I did was leaned I had to lean the light stand over to really accomplish that. And so then what I did was take one leg of the light stand and I jammed it into that door, that no smoking door I was telling you about, and it stayed. And man, we created some really cool work. Really, really cool work. Emily was wearing like this really cool vest. That she, again, thrifting. She had an orange skirt. She pinned up on the sides to make it look like something exotic. It was really an awesome, awesome set. She did an incredible job. I'm so proud of her. And man, I mean, the the, the positions of like getting dirty and, and just the grime that she puts up with when we shoot, couldn't be more proud of her. She is fantastic. So then on the outside of this building, Emily had a uh, uh, another outfit. She had a brown dress and she put on this brown dress. And then the very outside of this building had a very different look, which was awesome. And so what we did is on the outside of the building, we went from those greens and those blues and that darker um, cinematic kind of a light scenario. And um, on the outside of the building, there was a window, a very large window that had a, a, a pane of glass with an exhaust fan that would exhaust the air and or fumes that, w- that at one point would have come out of this factory out into the open air. And so there was this exhaust fan sitting there and there was a large space for Emily to stand on the pane of the window. And so she hoisted herself up on the pane of the window. She's standing in front of the pane of glass and then there's this exhaust fan. Well, on the inside, what I did was I took uh, a flash and it's funny, I didn't have a light, another light stand with me to be able to, to prop or to, uh, appropriately place this light that I was going to use for rim lighting. Because what I was doing was I was illuminating the back pane of the window as well as the exhaust fan area. And so then what I did was I got that table that Emily and I had used for the first shoot. I dragged it over. Then I got the milk basket that I had found when I visited Maurice at his milk factory. And I put that on top of the table. And then I found like a piece of... um, fiberglass that was there or um it almost felt like uh insulation uh that that you use you know for a home and i put i propped it up and angled it towards that window from behind inside the building i then went outside and got my key light which was again a mono light because it was very bright and hot i got a mono light positioned it outside with that 48 inch octobox um, and really uh, raised the level of the light down to key light M. And so then after doing that, um, I needed to, 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 to tie in that whole shoot, no pun intended with what I'm about to say. But like I said earlier, I like to build an organic and, and make things work. And so Emily's brown dress had um, ties at the front of it, like the front you know, front area of the dress, the way she cinched it up would be, um, with the, with these ties. And so I looked at that and I said, how can I pair her? How can I make her belong to this area of the window? And those are the questions I constantly probe myself with is how do I make this connect? That's a very vital aspect to creation is connectivity. And so I, Kept wandering around, and I, I, if, I, if Emily only could tell you the amount of times she's watched me wander, she probably thinks I'm just a lunatic at this point. But I wandered around this yard looking, looking, and I did my little finger thing, and I'm looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. 
And then finally, I see it on this chain link fence. Oh, I forgot to mention, the guys from Camel Towing came over and allowed us to park the truck inside of this structure, which was awesome because then the gear was safe, we were safe, everything was good. Forgot to mention that. And so there's this chain link fence um, that we're inside of and um, there was rope that was tied to the chain link fence. And so I took the rope off, I untied it and there's about three or four strands of it. So I tied those those pieces of rope together, used my good old Boy Scout skills. I tied those together and then I went back to M and the exhaust fan. I tied um, the rope to the exhaust fan and then I went and Emily wrapped herself in the rest of the rope. And then she pulled on that rope. And the way that that connected her with the... It, it gave tension. It gave purpose. It gave connectivity to that environment and to that image. And the, the resulting image was stunning. And nobody can pull it off like she does. She's just awesome. She knows, she knows just how incredible she is in my eyes. So I absolutely loved it. It was an incredible shoot. Um, the funny part was it, the funny part of it was as soon as we ended, we hear this rustling down in like a basement area of this abandoned building. And Em and I had both been down there as we were like exploring the place. And, um, we hear this rustling and she's like, there's somebody in here. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So whenever I'm in these abandoned buildings, I just go towards people. I don't walk, run away from them. I don't, whatever, I, whoever it is I want to find out. I want to assess the, the situation and deal with it accordingly. So I walked, I walked towards the basement and as i'm getting there he hears me he comes up now this individual looked a lot like maurice it wasn't maurice it wasn't the guy who was whistling at me um <laughs> as i was doing my ten thousand steps over at the abandoned milk factory who was laying under trash it wasn't that maurice but he looked a lot like maurice and so i'm assuming since john the security guard had told me that maurice had a brother that this is maurice's brother so I never learned this individual's name, so I'm just affectionately calling him Francis. So I start talking to Francis, and as I'm speaking with him, he says to me, it's so funny, guys. I love these kinds of environments. It just cracks me up. It's hard for me not to laugh um, because he says, have you been inside the building? Yeah. Have you been to the top? Yeah. You've been to the pigeon's nest? You mean up the ladder where you like have a mattress up there? Yeah. Yeah, I've been up there. Oh. Were you scared? No. What? Did you hear any voices? No, not except for Emily and my voice. <laughs> we didn't hear any other voices. You weren't scared? No. Well, you would have been scared if you knew what happened here. Uh, probably not. I'd probably actually be more interested. <laughs> and the thing I loved most about this exchange with this individual was the fact that I love watching people. It's something that it's, it's so fascinating to me to watch people and to watch how they observe you because the way in which you interact with people is how they obviously are going to reciprocate and, and interact with you. And so it was fascinating to watch him go from this mind warp where he's trying to, you know, Yoda Jedi master me and make me tripped out and scared of this building. And all of a sudden he's like, uh, who the F is this guy? This guy's not scared of anything. And so I said, no, we're good. He's like, then he says, well, just so you know, and I look at him and I didn't give him a nasty look. I just give him a confident look. He goes, oh, never mind. I said, all right, cool. So we, uh, 
we got a kick out of that. After we saw Francis, again, don't know if it's his real name, but after we saw Francis, we decided to, uh, you know, we had, we were finished anyways, to be honest with you. We'd actually started setting or putting stuff away anyways. So once we saw Francis, Maurice's brother, we figured maybe he's coming home for the night. Maybe, maybe, maybe they've divorced. Maybe Maurice takes the milk factory and Francis takes the recycled one. I don't know, but we had an awesome shoot and shooting with Miss Emily again was absolutely incredible. Um, and um, we locked up the gate and left. And it was an absolutely um, incredible adventure. And that's where that's where one of this ta- these tag phrases came from when I we were talking about it. And we said, you know, we, we create art where sometimes other people commit crimes. And so I just want to make it clear. I don't put her in situations that, that, uh, that make it dangerous. But it's just funny to be in some of these situations where um, if you're just smart, you're going to be just fine. And we were. And we had an absolutely incredible time. So what's next? Um, who knows? Uh, Miss M's back to teaching and, and, and doing speech pathology, which is fantastic. You know, I think what uh, what we do uh, from a creation standpoint, I just call it a beautiful mystery. And she's back conquering the world doing speech, but um, she's such a dynamo. I couldn't be more proud of her. But the reason I call it a beautiful mystery is we don't know what the future holds in regards to creating together. I'm sure at some point we'll uh, align our schedules to be able to do so again. But it was awesome. And I think sometimes in life, some of the most beautiful things are truly a beautiful mystery. And so thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Thanks to Emmy, if you're listening to this, for for creating with me. You know, I think you're terrific. And I'm very grateful that you shared your creativity and your passion and your time with me. Thank you, Miss M. All right, guys, do me a favor. If you go on to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to this, give me a rating, give me a review, say nice stuff, give me five stars or four stars or whatever the top one is. I would really appreciate it. I love you guys. I'm so grateful to you. And again, you can go to the workshops to find more about you know what we're doing. And um, I'd love to see you there. Lots of fun to share, getting back out in the world and having a great time doing this. So... Until next time, keep shooting, never give up on your dreams, find a that works for you, and remember, you only have one chance to get it right. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.